for a new Ford. Make it Bill Curry, Tampa Bay's first family of Ford for over 60 years. At Bill Curry, our prices are better than good. They're the best. Located on Dale Mabry, a mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Broadcasting from the ESPN Tallahassee Studios in Florida's capital city and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, this is the Scuttlebucks on 97.9 ESPN Radio. The Scuttlebucks with Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang is presented by Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's hometown Ford dealer for nearly 60 years and home of the nationwide lifetime warranty for new and pre-owned vehicles. BillCurryFord.com. Here's ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Well, this is the edition of the Scuttlebucks we hope to do. One that saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... Ending the misery of being owned by the New Orleans Saints. One that sees the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a game away, one win away from heading to the Super Bowl in Tampa. One that revealed that the investment made in the offseason and the change of direction regarding Tampa Bay's future was the right one. And uh, what happens with a win like this is all of it gets solidified in a lot of ways because the New Orleans Saints are done. The Wicked Witch is dead. Get ready to watch them suck for the foreseeable future. And if that doesn't just really do it for you, I don't know what will. That team enters into salary cap hell and says goodbye to some of their best players. And the Bucks are the ones who allow them to enter into that realm um, post-haste, a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. Uh, a game that uh, was razor thin in terms of uh, who could have won, who could have lost, and why. Uh, but most of these games at this point of the year are that way. Uh, you're facing a really good team. But not everybody is facing a team that has held them down, that has dominated them, that has been the bully. And the Saints were that. They are no longer. The Bucks will rule the NFC South for the foreseeable future right now. It's a game against Green Bay where if you can replicate anything close to what you did the first go-around against Green Bay, you'll find yourself in the Super Bowl. And that is a hearty hello as we begin the Scuttlebucks. It was a crazy Sunday. It was nice to have Monday off, first of all, may I say that. Um, but that in the final three, four minutes of that football game, you know that you're going to Lambeau to play for the NFC Championship, to play for the right to come back home, yeah, to play the Super Bowl in Tampa, be the first team to ever do that. That was really cool, man. It's been a long time, and the win over Washington was nice, but it was fully expected. So the joy, you know, yeah, the surprise, yeah. it was I, I get that it was a little bit tighter down the stretch. It was an eight point game, but you know, you're facing Heineke, and, and that doesn't feel the same as facing Drew Brees in the Superdome, even if it is a diminished version of Drew Brees. In covering hockey in these types of moments, and I have extensive experience doing that on the Joe Bucks fan network. It, it's a lot easier to look at a game and just say, well, the offense didn't show up. Thankfully, Vasilevsky was there for 35 saves and a win. And then you move on. It's best of seven. Like, no big deal. They were, they were awful this game. Or the defense was bad. You win 5-4, to four, you lose 5-4. to four, You're like, well, that's all right. They'll shore it up next time. In football, everything is so permanent because everything is so temporary. It's one game at 60 minutes, and the offense in this game played at a B level or a B-minus level. 
but it was the defense that was the reason the Buccaneers' season continues. It was the defense that stood tall with a short field after a punt return, keeps it to 3 nothing, and then they go down the field again, and it's 6 nothing, not 10 nothing. These are huge moments early in the game that allow for the fact that the Bucs' offense can get it together a little bit in the second quarter, have the game tied at halftime, you're tied going into the fourth quarter, and as the game went along, as long as it was in reach, you felt good about your chances. And the reason you feel good about your chances, they were improved on defense. They took a different tact on defense. Devin White was a superstar in this football game. The two games off with COVID-related um, procedures made you nervous about what you were going to get when he came back. Well, he was a man possessed. He dominated the game in a lot of ways. But kudos to a Sean Murphy Bunning who was great in this game as well. And the Bucks were so physical with New Orleans receivers. Uh, they, they made Drew Brees do what we were clamoring for them to make Drew Brees do, which is do something other than throw five to seven yard passes uh, to wide open receivers because we're playing eight yards off the football. Uh, they, they told him no in no uncertain terms, you're going to have to make plays at some point. And Drew Brees is not the player he was five years ago. He's not capable of making those plays. And really, I thought it became really evident in the second half after we tied it up when they really did not ask him to do anything other than what he had been doing for the first two and a half quarters. I realized he can't, and they know it. He can't do anything else. Uh, he hasn't had a good arm in three years. Uh, it's gotten exceptionally poor in the last year and a half. And I thought, if you're not going to beat this version of the Saints, you're just not going to beat the Saints. Because I'll be honest with you, I think Drew Brees is an average quarterback at this point, and that's why it's probably a good thing he's calling it a day. Hall of Fame quarterbacks don't need to be remembered that way for too long. It's one thing to go out at the end and say, okay, I just didn't have what I used to have before I had to repair my arm, um, but it's a whole other to you know, stick around and, and, and showcase that inability to play. So I had felt good all week about that game just because of what I had seen out of the offense and how Tom Brady wasn't thinking twice. You know, I, I didn't think he was going to be confused. It looked like the sequencing of everything was where it needed to be. And I felt all the better when it broke late Saturday, early Sunday morning that Taysom Hill was not going to be a part of the game. And I thought, was whoa! Big. Turned out to be big, yeah. Well, that's huge, considering that, you know, again, the aforementioned Heineke or Daniel Jones, if they break the pocket, the first guy who comes in in a rush, they make us look like a bunch of a-holes on defense. And, and Taysom Hill is not as good of a thrower as those two guys, but certainly Sean Payton would put him in situations where they'd be able to use him on the edge. And that they had already spent their one-trick play on Jameis down the field for a wide-open 50-yard touchdown, and it was still tied. You absorb the body blow of Sean Payton's IQ for drawing up trick plays, and it's not four or five trick plays because Taysom Hill is not that guy. All right, I felt quite good about it. The thing that I was surprised about as I watched the game and how we got to 30-20 to was the offensive play calling and the sequencing went back to the pre-bye week stuff. Uh, there was a lot more running on first down rather than passing on first down. They didn't get into play action until later in this game. It's a really good thing the defense did hold it down mm -hmm. because the three and outs early on looked all too familiar from weeks gone by. Hopefully this weekend the weather will allow and the scouting will allow for this coaching staff to go back to what they were doing after the bye week so the offense looks a little bit more explosive. Yeah, I would weigh in on that by saying I think they were message sending. I think that they've been so bullied by the Saints defense so many times that they wanted to show we are going to run the ball. We are going to be physical, even with a third-string guard who's making his first start. And maybe not what I would have chosen to do, but I get the mentality that they're not going to be bullied and they're going to send the message that they're going to be physical. 
it did eventually lead the way to over 130 yards rushing. So they, they were able to create running lanes. They were committed to something they didn't commit to at all in the 38-3 to beatdown. And they did have a mindset to be more physical on both sides of the ball. And, and I, get the, I get some of that. You know, ultimately, I think we'd be foolish not to it, just talk about one of, the, one of the big things here. And that is, when you bring Tom Brady in, this is what you expect. And what I mean by that is, yes, you expect to win games. No, they didn't win the division, so you came up a little short there. But you end up vanquishing your arch rival, if you will, and becoming the team to represent the NFC in the uh, NFC Championship game. So in many ways, you can forgive the not winning the division because now here you are and they are home. Revenge is, is sweet. Uh, the, the other part of it is, the guy that doesn't make the mistakes, the guy that stays cool and plays the next play, the guy that's been there, done that, that others are looking to in his eyes, in his play, in his demeanor, what he's demanding of others and himself, man, that was all on display in this game. There was a guy that just, he'd been there, done that. These games are close. I know, guys. I've played in a ton of them. Some of them went our way. Some of them didn't. But you know how I gave our team the best chance to win those games? I didn't panic. I understood it's a 60-minute game. you got to make some mistakes. The other team, they're paid too. They're good too. Just play the next play. You could see that. They looked to that. Uh, they did. I, I thought the only time that he came close to losing his composure was when Godwin dropped the ball in the back of the end zone. Because in that moment, that score would have put the Bucks up. And it was the situation, a big play. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a big play. But you're right. Other than that, he was he was calm. And on the one hand, so I look at the, the approach on the ground two ways. On the one hand, they're generating massive lanes against a really good run defense. Other than the Bucks, they're about the best in football. Yeah. Right? But Leonard Fournette just falls over himself at every other turn. There'll be times when he turns in a nice run. You're like, there you go, Leonard. That's how you lead with your shoulder pads. And that's how you, you don't trip over your own skis. But then there are three or four other plays where you're like, God, dog, if 27 was in the game, he might score. Or he might go for 25 or 30 yards. So the good thing is, if you look at Washington's defensive front and New Orleans' defensive front, mm -hmm. the Buccaneers are very well prepared to hit the road this week. The other hand of it where I was disappointed was it's almost like they were so they were so intentionally trying to undo the wrong of matchup number two against the Saints that if it wasn't for the defense making some stops that I don't know that we expected them to make, they might not have had a chance to climb back into this game. That's why it's a team game, and that's why both phases yeah. work together in concert. But it, that was a risky approach. It paid off now. Hopefully that was the dud when it comes to 20s to 20s action, and this offense looks a little bit more explosive on Sunday. I wonder, though, would they have stuck with it if the defense hadn't shown early on that they were going to be good, that they were going to be physical, that they were going to be different than they were as a sieve the last time the two teams met. You know, not only did Tampa Bay win the turnover battle here, but really all of the Saints' points were created by special teams early on. They didn't do anything. It wasn't like the Saints were just marching up and down the field. Uh, they got a huge return and another one in which if there had not been a block in the back call, we were in real trouble. So wake up, special teams unit. I'd start there. Like, yeah. what the hell mm -hmm. are you doing? Uh, that was ridiculous. You, it's not like you didn't know the Saints had uh, one of the highest two or three rated special teams units in all of football. And who would have thought at this point um, in the season and at this point in Buccaneers franchise history that when you're talking about special teams, the thing you like the most is the kicker. Yeah, steady. Ryan, I mean, knock on wood, the elements heart, are coming, the and so way, down the heart every time. Yeah, I mean, there was no, there's really something to the fact that he just doesn't like to kick in Detroit. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
<laughs> that makes yeah, me laugh. Yeah. No, there's I mean, no when, doubt. When he looked terrible in Detroit, I was like, well, this isn't good. Get it together. It's late in the year. But he basically said, look, I hate that place. Well, and that's the thing, too, that, that makes me laugh, um, just having not done this in so long and being in the playoffs and, and feeling those feelings because extra points changed yeah. between the last time the Bucks mm-hmm. were in the playoffs and now. And even, you know, because sometimes they, they cut to it so early and you're like, oh, my God. I have to sit here for 15 seconds and watch to see if we're going to make this thing 20 all or if there's going to be some ridiculous thing that happens and it's 20 to 19 Saints. Like, are you kidding me? And a meaningless extra point the last time we were in the playoffs is now very meaningful. And so you're looking. I mean, you're really with a microscope. Yeah, you are. You're like, are you shaky at all, Ryan? Because we might need you from 45 to win the game. And he wasn't. He wasn't shaky at all. This game will come down to the defense again, this upcoming game, as we kind of turn the page here. You know, the Bucks averaged over just over 30 points a game this season. That's a franchise record. Uh, and even in a game here where you got a lot of turnovers to help get there, you scored 30 points again against an elite defense. Now, again, you got a lot of help to get there. It doesn't matter, though. I mean, that, that average includes your defense because that's how points are scored in football. It's, it's that sometimes you get short fields. Sometimes you pick off a pass and return it to the seven and you score you know, a play or two later. They, that, that average accounts for all of that, and, and it is, as you say, the ultimate team game. They're playing well right now, and I got to believe that for as well as Green Bay is playing, and boy, are they exceptional. They figured something out. You know, a lot of times when you suffer the kind of ass-kicking that they suffered at the hands of Tampa Bay, it can be the best thing for you. It's not nice in the moment, but it does force you to self-scout. It does force you to go back to the drawing board and say, how did this happen? How could this happen? Maybe we're not as good as we thought we were. This matchup didn't go the way we thought. We can't depend on this against certain teams. So, they clearly went to the drawing board after they got handled, manhandled in Tampa Bay and kind of changed some things, and they became this this team right now that looks like the odds-on favorite to get to the Super Bowl with the MVP pulling the trigger. Yeah, one of the quotes after the game from Aaron Rodgers, who looked like he was checked out by the middle of the second quarter, which is crazy because how they started. Yeah. I mean, Green Bay did whatever it wanted for a quarter all in those that were game. All those man-rub routes that they yeah. were running early on. That's yeah. the thing to watch for this week. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. Uh, but, but Aaron said after the game that oh, this is a long time coming. We haven't been doing the right things of late so we needed this to happen yeah and you kind of roll your eyes when somebody says that at the end of an ass beating but it Correct. sometimes can be very true but then you look at it two three months later and you're like well okay yeah they did something with it so it's funny when you have a team that's led by an elite veteran quarterback who are going to at the very least win enough games to qualify for the playoffs you will watch them kind of experiment with something we saw it maddeningly so in tampa we mm-hmm. watched a team who you're like they're good enough to sleepwalk through a win against the Giants. They're good enough to sleepwalk with some of these games where you're going, that wasn't very impressive, but I'll take it. It's a win. But a lot of times they're all gearing up to this moment. Can we get right? Can we figure out what we are or are not? Can we get to where we are arriving when we have to be playing well at the right time? I think both teams have, clearly. This matchup is is simply fantastic. Yeah, the I, the feeling I get as, as a buck and, and watching some of these plays that have to stack together for the game to, to, to be won, there were a couple by rookies this past mm, weekend. Mm. And when rookies contribute or role players contribute out of nowhere, I mean, like it's not like Murphy Bunting was the guy that we're all trying to send to the Pro Bowl, right? <laughs> right, right, season. right, right, right. Um, but you watch Winfield force a fumble from Jared Cook. Big play. Big play. You watch play. Tyler Johnson on a third and ten extended drive when again it what felt a catch. Momentum. Like, right. That is when you start to feel it. 
that is when you start to feel things. Maybe the stars are aligning for you because it's it's dudes you don't expect are the ones who step up and make the plays. I mean, look at Stinney at right guard. You have to include him in it, too. He played fine. So these are all the things that have to happen to survive the attrition in the playoffs that you could survive until Devin White comes back, and he'll be really important when it comes to covering uh, Tanya, and hopefully I don't put him in isolation too much there, but also stepping up and stopping Aaron Jones. I mean, these are all key things that you need to fall into place just at the right time to have a chance to do the thing, and the Bucks are in that position. So we'll see if it continues on. on yeah, and I, I just want to say kudos to the offensive line who've been good all year long. They were good in this game again. Tom Brady was sacked one time. Yeah, uh, an early twist that got uh, – who knew it that uh, Marpet would give up, I think it's his second sack of the season. Yeah, and he's been great. He'd and been great previous, yeah. The other thing is, you know, we talk about it a lot. I think it's important to bring it up here again. You hate Jensen if he plays for somebody else. Mm. He is one of your favorite players if he plays for you because there is a mentality that comes with that guy, and it's edgy, and it's mean, and it can be dirty, and it can be on the edge. But, man, for so long, we've watched other people who possess those linemen, and we didn't have it. And we could complain about that being an illegal block. We could complain that that was late or look at this guy picking people off the pile. But, you know, the truth is when you have that nasty edge and demeanor and it's on your team, you're always in favor of it. He gives us that. He's getting a lot of run for it, and that's the Brady effect, too. Nobody talks about the center of uh, Jameis Winston's offense. And as much as, you know, we like that guy, that's, uh, that's just the truth. You don't talk about Ryan Jensen. But because of Brady, you notice all the little things. Mm -hmm. And for my money, the one on the sidelines, he gets dragged down. Oh, he got dragged down, and then he just finished the play with a little forearm to the neck. And then he reminded him later inside the five-yard line. He also decided for all of the linemen to declare war on a former Gator, which is heartbreaking Mm -hmm. to see. Well, I hate that for that guy. (laughs) Uh, A family-owned and operated dealership truly matters when you're buying a truck or a car, and that's what you get at Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's first family of Ford on Dale Mabry Highway. They are much more than just amazing prices and a nationwide lifetime warranty on new and used vehicle uh, vehicles, I should say. Our friend Sean Sullivan, the GM, is ready to work with all Scuttlebucks listeners personally in any way that he can to help out. So what you want to do is uh, swing by the dealership there on Dale Mabry Highway, as I said, or check them out online, BillCurryFord.com. That's BillCurryFord.com. You can get Sean Sullivan's email there on the site. Ask him anything you want about buying or leasing a Ford truck or SUV. He'll write you back. We guarantee it. That's BillCurryFord.com. More of the Scuttlebucks and Lee DeKemper will join us from JoeBucksFan.com in a moment. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Music to my ears, meaning we get the opportunity to talk to Lee DeKemper, JoeBucksFan.com, after yet another Buccaneers victory. This one sends them to the NFC Championship in storied Green Bay, Wisconsin, Lambeau Field for a rematch of sorts as 
The Bucks are one game away from playing a home game in the Super Bowl. How good would that be? JoeBucksFan.com, the website, as a reminder. Hello, Lee. How the hell are you, buddy? Jeff, what do you say? We live in uh, strange yet exciting times. Very, very exciting times. And, and I know it's not my job to promote certain uh, – uh, companies that uh, advertise on JoeBucksFan.com who don't necessarily pay me. But I have to tell you, every time I see that big storm ad for the Bromosa, I'd like to share one with you in victory after uh, a Buccaneers win right there, sir. At some point, I'll come down there and have one of those big storm Bromosas. One of these days, Jeff, one of these days, uh, you won't be disappointed with Bromosa. I'm, <laughs> I'm confident in that because you have uh, you have good taste in beer. That's true. Thus you will enjoy Bromosa. Uh, I've heard you talk about your favorite craft beers before. I, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. You have refined taste, I guess is the best way to say it. So well, we'll enjoy Vermosa. And you know what? We need to be drinking a lot of Vermosas this week. I've, you know, you you hit on something while you were introducing me, and I just want to expand on it a little bit. You know, I'm an old fart in the sense that when I was growing up, we got our NFL information largely and certainly our highlights from NFL Films, there'd be a syndicated half-hour package of every game broken down with, you know, the, 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 the NFL, you know, the, the stereotypical super slow motion. Oh, it was the best. Up, it was the, the best. booming music. Yeah. And when, and when I think of Lambeau Field or Frozen Tundra or Green Bay Packers, I don't think of Chris Berman. I think of John Facienda. Mm-hmm. So for me... That adds all the more drama to this game. The Bucks are playing in, like you said, storied Lambeau Field. And I can just hear John Facienda speaking with that beautiful voice, the voice of God. And the Bucks there are in this shrine to the NFL. I don't know if you've ever been to Lambeau Field, but that, that area is literally a shrine to the NFL, not just to the Packers. If someone has never gone there, you really should go there. It's a great experience. And I just said that just adds to all the drama. Unless there's, not, there's not enough drama. It adds to it. It really brings like a glow to this game. Well, I'll have you know that I was visiting my brother over the weekend and we watched this game together on his back deck and really is a great way to watch a game in the cold, bundled up, had my old school Buccaneer starter jacket on, watching that game (laughs) with him and we thoroughly enjoyed it. And immediately following the game, because we may have had a few frosty beverages in celebration of the Bucs thwarting the big bad bully that were the New New Orleans Saints and sending Drew Brees into retirement and the Saints into salary cap hell, I uh, I decided to look it up on my phone just out of curiosity. And uh, flying out of Atlanta where he lives was just a cool $734 up there. Now, that says nothing about the limited tickets that we might be able to find up there at around two to five grand a pop. But, you know, I gave it a serious thought because it's in Lambeau, because it is Green Bay, and because the weather says it is going to snow. This would be a perfect outing if you could find a way to pull it off to see the Bucks go to the Super Bowl in that weather on that field against this team and that quarterback at this time would be truly remarkable. But alas, I think I'm going to have to watch on the TV like 99% of the Buccaneer fans that will be tuning in this weekend. Yeah, you know, and that's why I'm a little surprised. And the NFL announced the kickoff time very as soon as the Packers won last week. They announced the kickoff time, the NFL. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was a little surprised by that in the sense that the networks generally want a Packers playoff game, no matter if it's a divisional round or if it's a 
NFC Championship. They generally want a Packers playoff game at night in the hopes that it does snow because it's so electric uh, visually on TV. Well, I thought so, too, but I'll tell you, I'd rather play a day game given that it's going to be oh, cold yeah. anyhow, so I was fine with that when I saw that it was yeah. a day game. All right, let's get started. Rather than just basking in the glow of victory, which is glorious and fun to do, we ought to talk about the ac- actual matchup, and it's one that the Bucks won and won handily the first time around against Green Bay, obviously, uh, after a shaky first quarter in which Aaron Rodgers continued to hit his receivers on slants and uh, a lot of uh, rub routes and, and, and man beaters. Uh, the Bucks adjusted. They began to get pressure. Indomitian Sue got into the head of Aaron Rodgers. Clearly, he was affected by it. He really didn't look like the same player from about the middle of the second quarter on. He wanted to be anywhere but there. But now they're hosting this game, and he is the white Likely MVP. He's got the best receiver, arguably, in the NFL to throw to. They have found a running game to boot. They're really operating um, and, 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 and functioning on all cylinders at this point. Uh, talk about the difference in the matchup where the Bucks are and where the Packers are as you see it. Here's what's interesting to me. One of the reasons Rodgers struggled against the Bucks way back when, you know, back in October, uh, was the blitz. The blitz really rattled him. And then you throw in, and Dominican Sue got in his head. And, and Rodgers, I'll be bluntly honest, it looked like he quit. It looked like he gave up. It really did. His body language was terrible. Uh, and he eventually was pulled because the game was so out of hand. Now, the blitz, Rodgers, like I said, had, you know, he struggled against the, the blitz that day with Buck. Since then, since that game against the blitz for next gen stats, Rodgers has 13 touchdowns. One pick. Pretty substantial. I don't know if it was a special blitz that Bowles is using, the way he disguises his blitzes. Is that threw off uh, Rodgers? I'm not sure. But very much like what the Bucks have said about themselves when in the preparation for the Saints game last week, the Bucks were quick to say, we're a different team. And even Sean Payton said, this, this is not the same Bucks team that we still clubbed earlier in the year. It's a different team. I think the same you could say for the Packers. This is a different team. Arians earlier today basically said, told us, you know, told the Bucks, look, we're, we're, we're facing a completely different team right now. This is not the team you beat 38-10. This is a different team. So uh, I'm hopeful that Rodgers gets rattled by the Blitz again, which Todd Bowles lives and dies for. But it is kind of, um, oh, it does catch my, my attention that Rodgers is 13 touchdowns one pick against the blitz since that Bucks game. That's uh, I don't know, but thank goodness it looks like it looks like they haven't thrown the water on the fire yet. I know you want to get to this. It looks like we may see the return of Via Vea. It's not a done deal yet. We certainly won't know until game time if he's active. But Arians, given the chance today, this press conference to say yay or nay, he's going to play. He certainly did not say nay. Well, you know, it's a it's a it's a potential hugely impactful moment that he takes the field because if you get your anchor in the middle of the field which frees everybody else up including your edge rushers for even 15 to 20 plays, Lee, it's a, it could be a game changer, and every little thing helps when the margins are so thin between winning and losing at this level and when the stakes are this high. You're always going to be playing another really good team, obviously. So 
What are our thoughts on what you think he's capable of and if he will play? I know Arians gave sort of a half-hearted update this week about we uh, we saw him at walkthrough. Uh, he was really mm-hmm. good at walking. He mentioned also that <laughs> he mentioned also that he had seen him jogging in order to try to get back into some game shape lately. Um, but what do we think? What's the buzz around Tampa about what's possible for him this weekend, if anything at all? Well, the the buzz is as far as hope. Everybody's you know giddy that he gets on the field. I think if I got to be bluntly honest, I think this was via being activated. The goal to activate him was not so much to get him ready for the Packers game Sunday. It's the hope that he can play down the road. Now it's nineteen days from the Super Bowl. That's what I think the initial or the 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 immediate goal was. Now, if he's ready to go against Packers, that might be icing on the cake. And to your point, every little bit helps. You know, if personally, if he gets on the field for 20 snaps, I think that's great. You know, you, you and I are kind of on the same wavelength there. You're looking at 15 to 20. I'm thinking 20. Here's why I think it's so critical, if he can play, that he should play roughly 20 snaps Sunday. The Bucks' pass rush has been non-existent the past five games. The big three, Ndamukong Su, JPP, Shaq Barrett, last five games between them, one sack. One sack. So the pass rush has been basically non-existent, as far as I'm concerned, when your big three can't get to the quarterback when you need to the most in the postseason in your most important game. So when you said earlier, every little bit helps, I, 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 not only do I agree with it, I will multiply that. If Dia can just draw two guys, just two guys, that's one less blocker that can put his body on JPP or put his body on Sue or potentially put his body on Shaq Barrett. And that may be just enough to get to Aaron Rodgers. And that may be just enough to pop the ball loose and get a turnover. And turnovers are so critical in the postseason. And to be really honest, Jeff, Without the four turnovers, I don't know if the Bucks win that game against the Saints Sunday. I was not in, that impressed offensively. Every touchdown they had came on a short field as a result of turnovers. And that's great. That's awesome. That's wonderful. But as we spoke time and time again during the Lovey Smith era, you can't bank on turnovers. You can't. And I, I go at this two different ways. When the Bucks turn the ball over in excess, it's the reason they lose and everything else is ignored about the successes of an offense. When another team does it, we tend to, because we're hypercritical, uh, and when we analyze our own team, we tend to say, well, if they hadn't done that, we wouldn't have won. I, look, to, look, to me, at the end of the day, you brought Tom Brady in to not turn the football over in moments like that, in critical situations mm-hmm. on the road against an elite defense, and he didn't. And, you know, Hall of Famer Drew Brees lost them personally the game. Uh, he was terrible, embarrassing even. So that's one of those things. It happens. Um, you know, that, but that is also why you bring in a Tom Brady. That's why you make that change. Also, I would say the Bucks forced a lot of that. They knew he couldn't throw the ball down the field. He's had a pop gun on yeah. for two years. So this was a, a sort of a change in game plan in which they forced him to make some throws he was uncomfortable with. And the result was uh, they turned it over. And, you know, defense causes some of that. The, the Winfield punch out of the ball was absolutely huge. It changed the momentum of Critical. the game. So, 
Yeah. That's that's a caused fumble. That's not accident. He punched the ball. We watched it happen. That's a play being made. So I get it. You can't just rely on that and expect to get that. You're going to have to be better. I would also argue the Saints are one of the two or three best defenses in football, and you're not going to face that defense when you face Green Bay this weekend. Or if you were to make it to the Super Bowl, neither Kansas City or Buffalo's defense is as good as New Orleans either. So they were going against an elite defense, and it showed, but they didn't turn the football over. The Bucks' defense played well, and the Saints did turn it over. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. Now, you bring up the Packers' defense. They are not as good as the Saints. I, I, I fully agree with that. Here's what's kind of interesting, interesting in an abstract way. Now, Warren Sharp, I know you know who Warren yeah, Sharp is, sure. Jeff. And I think it would not be a stretch to suggest that maybe you might have called your short-term investment broker based on some knowledge you gained from Warren Sharp. Sometime or another during the past. I, I just a wild guess. You're just a just wild a guess. That's correct. <laughs> so anyway, Warren Sharp came up with an outstanding statistic that blew my mind. That when Aaron Rodgers has a lead at halftime while playing at home at Lambeau Field, he is seventy and one. That is not a that's not a typo. Seventy as in seven zero dash one. So Sharp was saying it is beyond critical that the Bucks have a lead at halftime. Uh, and based on that, Sharp said they should not be running the ball in first down like they got back to against the Saints. They should, they should revert to what the, their, their previous self was when they were lighting up the lead and, you know, play action passes on first down. I don't disagree with what Warren Sharp is saying whatsoever. And, you know, if I had to put my money down, I would put my money down. Please, Bucks, play action passes on first down. Please do that. Having said that, the Packers are rather soft on run defense. And the Bucks' run offense, the running attack, is really starting to click. So it, this is the interesting dynamic. Yes, you need to lead at halftime. And yes, the Bucks were right up the lead when they were not relying on running the ball on first down. But the way the Packers are soft on the run defense, I don't know, man. I mean, in an abstract way, yeah, you want to, you know, throw the ball all around and get it, get it. Some, some some lead at halftime to prevent Rodgers from coming back, but damn, that run offense, your running attack is starting to click, and the Packers, they give up about five, uh, four and a half yards uh, a carry on the ground. So, I can see why Arians will stick with the ground, but something in my deep, deep crevices is scared that if they do run the ball, they're going to play right in the Rodgers' hands. Don't want to think about your deep crevices, do want to think about whether or not to pick up on that. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to think about whether or not Ronald Jones is healthy enough to make a huge difference in this game because I tell you what, he shot out of a cannon compared to watching Leonard Fournette tiptoe about. Now Leonard played well in some aspects, including making a tough catch down there in the end zone, uh, which was a huge play. And there were some runs here and there where you saw the giddy up. But we all know that Ronald Jones hits that hole a little bit harder and a little bit faster. I also know he was a warrior last week playing hurt. What is his status for this weekend's game? He said today, he said today his quad feels better today, Wednesday, than it did last week. So that's a great sign. And I'll give you a little nugget about Fournette. Arians does a weekly spot on uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio. And two weeks ago, Bill Polian co-hosts the show once a week. And he appears on that show because they, you know, they go back away. Yep. And Polian 
ask Arians. He goes, hey, I did a lot of Jaguars games in the past, in recent past. I saw a lot of Fournette. I'm seeing something in Fournette I've never seen before. It looks like he has vision, and I'm just guessing you guys coached him up. I thought that was a hell of an observation because Fournette right now, the way he's been running the last couple games, is a whole lot better than he was running earlier in the season. So I thought that was, and Coyne's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. I thought that was a hell of an observation. And Arians did not discount that, that Fournette's learned or at least adapted to having better vision now. I would also note that he got called out by Arians earlier this year. So I, I feel like... Yeah. I feel like there was a challenge proposed to him because he was sort of half-stepping, and that's not something you ever want to see a big man do, not any running back, but especially not a big man. Uh, you want him to run behind his pads, get low, and, and, and lower the boom. We see more of it now. I just think it's important to have the one-two combination with he and Ronald Jones because one of them can catch out of the backfield and the other can't. My brother, it should be an awful lot of fun. Uh, we'll talk to you one way or the other next week. Uh, hopefully it's about the Bucks making plans to uh, compete in the Super Bowl right there in Tampa Bay. Uh, either way, though, I think I think we're reveling in these good times. Be well. Always appreciate the insight. You take care. Thanks a lot, Jeff, and have a good one. Enjoy the game, and always a pleasure. All right. Be good, man. That's uh, Lita Kemper, JoeBucksFan.com. We'll come back, react to that, and look ahead to that game against the Green Bay Packers, give you our thoughts on how that will play out, or at least the way we hope it will play out next on the Scuttlebucks. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. go back and forth on this one uh i am you know i'm hopeful it's not a game that you feel as if you're an overwhelming underdog you don't you don't go into the game aaron Rodgers or not thinking well it would be very unlikely to see tampa bay having possession of the football fourth quarter with a chance to take the lead. You know, I don't feel that way. I feel like this could be a really good football game, but I will acknowledge, having said that, that I understand why we're underdogs. It it makes perfect sense. Aaron Rodgers and that offense right now, so motion-heavy, by the way, Tom, when you watch them, it's Mm -hmm. unreal the amount of eye candy they provide and the information they're trying to glean with all that motion. Uh, I feel like they're probably more comfortable running their offense right now than at any point uh, that we've seen them. It's it's remarkable. I mean, they were able to run the ball against the Rams when they wanted to, even when they lined up and g- lined up and gave it away that they were going to run. That has to be a shot in the arm. Um, you know, I, I worry about it a little bit. That's why Vita Vea's return could be huge. It could be really big because then you know your front line defensive interior is Sue and Vita for a certain amount of snaps, and that keeps McClendon better. That keeps uh, keeps Nunez Rochez in better shape for the game. Uh, this is the number one rush defense in all of football, so I, I like the chances for the Bucks to stymie a little bit what the Packers want to do there. Uh, it's just it's a really interesting game on offense, and I just looked at the weather as of Wednesday. We'll see. It looks like it's going to snow in the morning in Wisconsin. It may still be by the time they're kicking off. So I'm sure if you see the pregame shots, you know the pre pregame coverage, it might be that it's covered in in white snow, which would be really cool. 
but the wind is not up. And that's important because you're talking about run-pass balance. You know, this would all be rendered moot, the discussion about what you do on first down and what you do in general, if the winds are between 15 and 30 miles an hour. Correct. See Buffalo's game against Baltimore. Right, exactly. It doesn't look like at this point on Wednesday that's going to be the case. Uh, It's interesting that that Lee brought up there about Leonard Fournette and the comments about maybe having vision where he had none before. I would agree with that. That sounds about right. Mm -hmm. He still falls down for no reason. So if Ronald is ready to go... God love him. If he just had hands, this wouldn't be a discussion at all. <laughs> but he doesn't. But he doesn't. However, when you're going you know, from the 25 and in, I'd rather have somebody who can score on a given play rather than somebody I'm hoping he just keeps his feet underneath him, even if the Bucks generate those holes. So there's a lot I like that's trending in the right direction about what the Bucks are doing, but it's not the same Packers that you saw uh, back a couple months ago, a few no. months ago. And if you watch the film and you see breakdowns that the great people do, NFL analysts, Bucks analysts, about the interceptions or some of the plays the Bucks defense made, Drew misses wide open things. I mean, like it's in the Camara play, it's Callaway who ends up getting stiff armed by Devin White. That's the open guy there. I don't know why the hell he's looking at Camara in the first place. And Drew has obviously a lid on where he can deliver the football where well, Aaron Rodgers two, does not. There's yes, and that that is very true. There's two reasons he's looking at Camara. Um, one of them you just mentioned. There's a lid on where he can throw the football comfortably. Two. There's two guys that he's trusted all the while in this run, and it's been remarkable that nobody could shut this down. That's a testament to him and these two players and Sean Payton. But it was it was Michael Thomas in in Alvin Kamara. Right. That was it. Those two guys killed everybody, mm-hmm. including us. And you'd go, really? This guy's going to have 10 catches and 180 yards today, and he's the only person Drew Brees is going to throw the ball to. Right, and that's one of the strengths of Brady is that he's indiscriminate. Now, does he like to go to Gronk in crunch time? There's no doubt he does. Oh, he does. Well, I mean, the Hall of Famers come through. But as the game is progressing, Brady will find Tyler Johnson on third and ten. You think Drew makes that throw to that receiver? No, and I don't even mean about the velocity. I'm just saying the choice. I was about to say the velocity was special, but that's a hard throw to make. I know. It's a great catch, but that's a hard throw to make. He really does throw the fastball in in a lot of situations, maybe more than he should. And you you were joking about this (laughs) this week. I mean, you got got a little release from a running back, a delayed release, and it's going to be 105 miles per hour into your gullet. But, But, you know, that's okay because at least I know it's still there. The important thing here, and we haven't talked about him at all, uh, is Jair Alexander and mm. what he's done. He's mm. the first player in 15 years uh, to hold somebody to negative yardage in, in terms of whoever was across from him mm-hmm. this past week against the Rams. They had negative yardage <laughs> receiving-wise. It was like negative three. First person in 15 years to do that in the playoffs. Hadn't happened. And he's been every bit as good as Jalen Ramsey in terms of locking opponents' number ones down. Now, we're coming off of a game where Lattimore does to Evans what Lattimore does to Evans. If so the he Bucks, never sees him again, he will fall to his knees and thank the football gods profusely. So the Bucks should be used to this. They should be. But, again, this is an opportunity where maybe on first down you're a little bit more aggressive. I'd like to see it. And it's not because Warren Sharp knows the stat about how many wins Aaron Rodgers has at halftime. I just want to win at the game. I don't care about Aaron Rodgers' stats. Well, it gives the Bucks the better chance to win the game. Right, right. But what I would say about that is that he, Lee is right. I, in preparing for this and, and our show during the week here so far, you, the Packers can give up the run, and they do. And it's interesting. I mean, I'm with you. 
we were both singing this all year long at the top of our lungs, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball on first down uh, because those are neutral downs, and you give your quarterback the best opportunity. And and, and most everybody seems to understand this. Uh, I also get establishing the run where you can. And, you know, if if the Bucks are able to run the ball and keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, and I, I, I do think I'd like to limit possessions in this game, I have to admit. I'd like to see the drive not start that way. Maybe you can run it on first down after you get one. You know, right, why right. does it have no, to be the first play sure, of every sure, drive? Sure, no, I understand that too. You know, listen, theoretically, and I remember this from way back, uh, hearing a coach say this to me, uh, that uh, the snow favors an offensive team uh, every time. Because obviously I know where I'm going and you don't, and you have to adjust to where I'm going, and I have a very good idea of where I'm planting, where I'm cutting, and why. If the winds are down, which is what you were just talking about, this could be a much more uh, of a high-scoring game than people are anticipating. You watch the public pound that under because of the snow projections. I'm not so sure. If the winds stay really down and guys can handle the cold, and we're not talking about minus 7, we're talking about 20. Okay, you know. Even 28, 30 at that. Well, yeah. and there comes a point where the cold does affect everything, and it doesn't really matter that I know where I'm going and you don't. If it's minus 4, it's tough to catch football, period. I don't care who you are. But if it's 30... We've all right. played in 30. I mean, hell, there are high school kids in Florida that have played in 30. I mean, you, you can do that. It's rare, but it, it, it's true. Um, so I don't think it's going to be so inclement that that's going to be a major factor. You may see some slippage, but I really worry about it defensively more than I do offensively. Well, here's one thing about that game. Um, it, well, yeah, guys falling. Yeah. Guys slipping and falling yeah, slipping and dudes and being wide open. Yeah. yeah, that you know. The one thing about that first Packers game is it kind of resembled the one we just played in a lot of ways. If you think about it, it's not like the Bucks' offense went for 500 yards. Every time they touched the ball, it was always going to be a touchdown. It was that they went on the avalanche mode that they – it happened four or five times this season. Once was to the Raiders, once mm, was to the Packers. Yeah. Carolina they did it to. There are examples I'm forgetting. The Broncos. The Broncos Oof. was another one. Uh, but it was a pick six. It was the Jamel Dean game. Yeah, was, there's a pick six great. and then one that's returned to like the three-yard line. And it's like, boom, there you go. And then there's one legit drive mixed in there, and they don't respond. And Green Bay's got nothing for you. Yeah, the game's But over. it was all generated by those turnovers. And how were those turnovers generated? Well, because the coverage principles were, if there's a double move, jump on the first move because we're going to get home. You got to get home or else that double move is going to burn somebody way down the field. Hopefully Vita Vea plays, and you have 15 to 20 plays that involve a pass rush getting home. I, I, that's excessive because some of those plays are going to try to run, but you know what I'm saying. At least 10 opportunities where they can't double your outside guys or they can't double Sue. Uh, Sue played like a man possessed the last time. He played really well in this last game. He has continued to play well this year. For a man his age, he is oftentimes, for stretches of a football game, a brick wall. You watch guys run in what looks to be a lane, and you see that massive mitt come out, and, and he just stands up and holds them. It's remarkable. I don't expect to see it at all um, the same way we did back in October, but it was awesome, and it felt like a throwback for just a moment that those two helmets, and there was one defensive yeah. tackle and a quarterback for those representing those two teams going at each other. And I was like, oh, my God, there yeah, it is again. there it is again. It's Sapp and Favre reincarnated. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful thing. And um, listen, I, I, I'll be surprised, not overwhelmingly so, not stunned, not shocked, not in disbelief, but I'll be somewhat surprised if the Bucks go on the road and win this game against Aaron Rodgers, not because they can't beat Green Bay. They already have. Aaron Rodgers is playing at such an elite level and has a receiver at his disposal that I don't think any of our corners can cover. 
and I'm not sure about the pass rush, and thus I think this is problematic. Well, the other thing, okay, so let's take a look at Green Bay's left tackle situation early in the game because Bakhtiari is out and he's an all-world left tackle. The Rams have a good front four, but I don't think they have bona fide pass rushers like the Bucks do, so it should be interesting to see how they attack left tackle. My concern, I would not be surprised with the Bucks winning if the defensive backs look healthy. But the problem is, by the end of the game on Sunday, they were, Sunday, pretty, they beat were pretty beat they up. They were pretty beat up, yeah. So I don't know what that's going to look like, and I don't know what the rotation is going to look like at corner. At safety, they're fine. It's Winfield and it's Whitehead, and that's they're good. They're both good. But how much can Murphy Bunting play? Obviously, Carlton had to come out of the game for a little bit. I've been worried about him because he's been playing through injury. Jamel Dean got – I mean, just so – I mean, it's – this is the time of year of attrition, but when Aaron Rodgers is the other quarterback, does that render you helpless or do you compete, especially when you have to fight through those crossers? Last time we did the show, a week ago, we both picked the Bucks. We both thought the Bucks would beat the Saints. We thought that, look, it would be tough sledding. There would be moments where the game felt like it was in the balance and you were nervous – but that the Bucks would get past the Saints finally. The ding-dong, the Wicked Witch is dead. You would send the Saints into the salary cap hell, of which I speak repeatedly on today's Bucks because I would like to take them there personally. It's good to see that that's finally going to happen. Um, I'm not going to pick the Bucks this time. I think the Bucks lose, and I think the Bucks may lose in a heartbreaking fashion. I, th- I think mm. they're going to be game. I think we're going to be talking about this into the second half, and we're going to be nervous because there's a chance – but uh, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in football this year. He has been nothing short of amazing. He also is a red ass who's wanted this. He want he knows a second Super Bowl validates him in a way that moves him into that realm of three or four best ever because everybody knows the arm talent. Everybody knows the skill, the intelligence, the ability to sort of – wander out of the pocket some 12 to 15 yards and make accurate throws the way that so few quarterbacks ever have. But he has just the one title. And that gets brought up a lot because when you're trying to differentiate between the Hall of Famers and the greatest to ever do it, most of them have more than one. Yeah, I I can see that. Um, and this is where I'm just so conflicted on how I'd like to see the offensive game plan play out because you're right, you can run on the Packers. And if you and keep them off the field... It's very tempting, but you've got to get into a groove before you can start balancing things out. Right, and you don't want to take the ball out of the best quarterback to ever play his hands. Well, and let me venture a guess, two or three straight three and outs is probably not going to work out good for you this time. No. Not, not with that offense. Uh, but, but I do think that by the end of this game, we could be talking about the Buccaneers' offense as multifaceted and perhaps unstoppable out of the NFC, setting up for a very offensive Super Bowl. I just, I can feel that because they, they it was a bit of a dud this past weekend. It, by the standards of what the Bucs did down but the again, stretch, it was a dud. the Saints' defense is really good. I don't think it's a dud this weekend. I think they play well. Now, they might lose in a heartbreaking fashion. Yeah. I'm going to pick the Bucks. And I'm going to say that the Bucks score once again in the upper 20s, low 30s, and then it probably is enough to get it done. Well, if you pick the Bucks to reach their average, which is a shade over 30 points a game, so let's give them 31. It's 30.8, I think. So let's give them 31. 31 wins it with their offense against this banged-up secondary? As long as this, again, that's my caveat, is i got to see a couple drives and know if God, these guys can I, run it all. I can oddly see 34-31 for one of the. Oh, Ooh. man. Well, I, that's a four-hour war. <laughs> going to be a good game good work man thanks to lee thanks to all of you guys bill curry ford thanks to bill curry ford without question we'll be back with you next week we're doing another one come hell or high water uh we do appreciate all of you listening uh go bucks and we'll talk again next week Ah!